Welcome to Experience Cast from the QOE, where we bring you insights about the relationship between customer and employee experience to offer new perspectives on organizational performance. I'm Tony Reeves, Research and Education Lead for the QOE, and in this episode we'll be unpacking the findings of the QOE discussion on leading from the middle. The aim of this topic was to examine the extent to which organisations can and potentially should make greater use of the knowledge and experience of those who are neither frontline staff nor members of the leadership team. But before I introduce my guests, here are a couple of highlights to give you an idea of what is to come in this episode. The middle management are the air cover between senior management and junior management that actually my boss is providing me air cover from senior management decisions. And it could be, and this is the whole premise of this conversation, that the middle actually has the best understanding of what's going on because it's seeing the pressure, or it's seeing the insight and the direction coming up at it and, and coming down on it. So joining me to explore this concept of leading from the middle are Jonathan Can. Global CRM Director at Namecheap and former Head of Revenue for Home and Broadband at O2, and Carl Lyon, the QOE's Discussion Chairman and author of Perpetual Experience. So Jonathan, Carl, welcome to ExperienceCast. Now, ExperienceCast is a podcast that builds on the debate that happens at the group discussions at the QOE. And Jonathan, you were there at the discussion on leading from the middle. So I wonder if I might start by asking you... um, what were some of the key things that you took away from this idea and this debate on leading from the middle? It was interesting. I, 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 there was part of it that I came out going, okay, so what is the problem we're trying to solve? But the second question I came out, which was more of a, a realization, was actually my company I work for is in a good space. And I am, without having those discussions, you don't realize what you have. The reason I say that is Namecheap and Monza were two examples that were discussed, which are fairly flat. And from what was discussed, it appeared that we had an awful lot of autonomy to make decisions and make things happen. Whereas other bigger companies, then they had multiple layers, which were not necessarily trusted to make those decisions to make things happen. So I came came away with a, with a, a thought that it's the not only the infrastructure but it's also there's a level of trust um that could be missing and are the middle are sorry let's not even talk about middle but are employees trusted to make a difference are they entrusted to actually achieve something in there with without sign off multiple sign offs and as a company as namecheap has again, made changes in the recent times, we are trying to become much more flexible, much more, let's do it now and and test and learn, do it now, understand the impact, make changes, do that quickly rather than invest a huge amount of time resource, multiple sign-offs, which takes six months from a, a decision. So, I thought I came across thinking, firstly, what's the problem? Then I came out thinking, okay, actually, I'm in a situation which allows myself, my team to make decisions, make things happen without having to go to the CEO or the head of marketing. We just make things happen and report up. So 
from my level, it was just an intriguing, thought-provoking point. And I came out actually a bit more, okay, the company I work for is actually doing something really well. That's great. And that's an interesting thing to come away from uh, one of the QOE sessions with, because obviously, you know, as, as you've well experienced, you're never quite sure how you're going to relate to the session, but to come out and realize that actually where you are uh, at Namecheap is actually is quite a, a positive space and that this, this middle section that we're talking about is generally uh, empowered, for want of a better word, to do things. And you mentioned during the, during the discussion that you are responsible for proposing the strategy to the is it to the board yes so how does that work (laughs) that's a great question because i'm trying to do it now um (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's the reason i'm I'm stumbling over that is is because okay what is the question trying to answer and i had to in the last week go okay what are the hot topics that they want me to answer i can come out with themes and, and theories and i don't want to invest so much time and then go completely left field when they expect me to answer a completely different question so that is a challenge in its own right in the situation we're doing luckily enough i was on i was going down the right area and my, my challenge is how to use data properly to target and that was what I stated, what the problem was, and they agreed. So I think there's an interesting piece is what is the objective of the team? Now, my objective is to cross-sell, keep people, make customers happy. Now, that has been a metric that has been with me for many years. Um, and so sort of what is the challenge? Now, my challenge at the moment is understanding the customers, and that has been probably for the last two years. We don't understand enough about the customers, so I'm using that as a theme. So we develop in two sides. What is business as usual and what is, um, what is massive change? Then we will state to the board, this is what I need, and this is what the approach is, and this is the budget, and this is how much, how much we're going to drive. My team, and in, in, in slightly different in, in CRM in, in my world, is... I have specific metrics to hit, as in targets, financial targets, and I measure my whole team on a financial impact. And so the key to this is how much we spend, we need to hit an ROI of over 100%. So that is a big metric, which I have luckily enough uh, stated right from the start when I created the team, is to say we need to make more money than we spend and we need to be able to measure it. Now, that is difficult in, in other departments um, because of, obviously sometimes they don't have that those key metrics. To go back to the question, how do you do it? What's the key problem that you're trying to solve? Then build around what's business as usual changes, what's the implica- implication and incremental changes and why, the cost and the impact you're going to make. That's what we do and that's what we push up. There is some direction from senior management, but not huge. That's interesting. And it sounds like you're in an organization that I'm going to say is non-traditional, which is a bit of a generalization. <laughs> but I mean, yes, you've had experience true. of working in uh, large organizations, particularly O2 and other sort of large telcos. Yes. How, yes. Does, how does where you are now and your view of the middle now, uh, how is it different from let's say, take O2, for example, how, how is the middle different between these, these two environments? I think, I think probably the word autonomy and the word trust is, um, and the speed. 
I think those are the three key words. O2 was fairly quick in comparison to somebody like Vodafone, um, but I was at Vodafone Group, so that's a, a slightly different comparison. But the st- there is still the key is, okay, I presented my strategy at both O2 and, and Namecheap, and I will get a yes or a no from Namecheap, whereas in O2, we create a strategy hopefully before the year starts, and then hopefully by March, after Q1 has already gone, you get a tick box exercise. That's the difference, and that is also the difference within the financial implications because, I, again, working at O2, the numbers would always be signed off three months into the year, which was always bizarre from my standpoint. It's like, okay, why are we signing off numbers when actually a quarter of the year has already gone? And you could always be, you could already be behind without actually an implication. At Namecheap, that's different. You still get it signed off by January, but normally it is a bottom up approach to the forecasting and a bottom up approach for those number generation. Obviously, there is still that, okay, we want a bit more than that, which is a standard approach. And across, I imagine that's across all teams. We want a bit more. Um, we want another 10%, another 5% on top of what you're stating to try and to stretch you, which, again, I can see the point behind it. But um, when the big corporates work, I, I was finding it difficult to understand the rationale when you create a, a strategy, then be told, actually, or the forecast of how much you reckon you're going to make. And, and somebody says, well, no, actually, you've got to make 40% increase. And you go, so where's that from? Um, and that's a, a top-down approach. And also, it, it starts to undermine the trust of that employee because they might they probably know the market, the customers, or they should know the market, the customers, the technology you're doing much better than the senior management. And they should be trusted to state, okay, this is a number that we think we can reach. Obviously, try and stretch it because you know, there are implications. But when the the, the let's let's do forty percent more, what grounding has that got? Bar somebody, uh, some senior manager said it, or some senior executive has said it to the press, or something like that, that suddenly has ramifications down the line. Gotcha. No, thank you. That provides a really useful comparison between sort of two very different um, sorts of organisations. I just wanted to pick up on, you mentioned this point of ownership and, and trust. Um, and Carl, I wonder if I can come to you around this, because in the in the discussion, um, the recent discussion at the QE on this topic, you were we were talking about who owns what and what does mm. the middle own. And you made the point around uh, surgeons or the comparison with surgeons and pilots. And, you know, do, do pilots, are they the middle or are surgeons the middle of their respective organisations and what do they own? And I wonder if you could just expand on that a little bit. Yeah, uh, thanks, Tony. Um, it's very interesting to Jonathan there. Um, uh, on reflection, I think what the middle tends to own is the pressure. You get uh, leadership looking at the, the long term you get people uh, in the operational piece um, dealing with the day-to-day. And um, uh, if we have a middle, the middle gets gets pushed from both sides. And Johnson just uh, talked about it from a numbers perspective, um, but also he mentioned from the customer perspective. So um, we do – it tends to get this, this pressure in the middle piece, and I think that's the difference between 
um, some of the smaller, more agile organizations uh, and the truly uh, large companies in the role of that middle piece and, and what it's there for. If I can explain myself, a few years ago, I was with one of the energy companies and they described the call center as a buffer between the business and its customers. I'm delighted to say things have moved on, but it just occurs to me that actually that buffer's just moved up a little bit and that buffer is now actually the, the, the middle management, um, middle to senior management team. They are, in fact, uh, acting as the buffer between what's reasonable uh, to get from customers in the way of profit, um, what's reasonable to deliver to them, what's the level of service, customer experience. And then in some cases, you've got the senior team which are pushing down more des desire for more profit, desire for more operational efficiency, and also the long-term view. But again, this is very, uh, we're talking very generalized here. I think there are cases where it's quite different. And I, it struck me during the debate that sometimes you get a leadership which is reconnected with the front face of an organization, but misses out the middle. Um, I saw a, a diagram this morning someone was putting around where they said that the bottom of a company, for want of expression, had 100% of understanding of the problems and the top only had 4%. I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't buy into it. I think everybody sees the problems and issues from their own perspective. The challenge is how to align those perspectives and align those, those views. Um, and it could be, and this is the whole premise of this conversation, that the middle actually has the best understanding of what's going on because it's seeing the pressure, or it's seeing the insight and the direction coming up at it and, and coming down on it. David uh, Thompson, I think, described it as the marzipan layer between the cake and the icing, if I remember rightly. And I think that's quite a good description. It's very rich. Uh, it's got all the color in it. It forms a vital barrier between uh, the cake and the, and the icing. Um, it has a very definite role to play. I think what we haven't really discovered yet is how much positive influence it has. There seems to be a lot of the, lot of discussion about its negative influence, but the positive influence, I'm delighted Jonathan feels that uh, Adosity has that ability to, to influence much wider in the organization. But for, for a lot of people, I think they're, they're, it's suffering from a lack of, lack of influence. You said buffer, you were talking about, okay, with the middle management, the buffer, okay. But the interesting area I thought is the middle management of the air cover between senior management and junior management, which was, I just thought, I've been told that numerous times that actually my boss is providing me air cover from senior management decisions. So whether they're translating or guiding some of those discussions, it's just an interesting point from a communication perspective because I, I know from my end is my CEO has a style that other people, um, slightly more junior than I, could find difficult to, um, yeah, difficult to handle or difficult to understand. He's very, very direct. And he's not thinking more. He's not thinking about. He just says how it is, and that's his approach. And if you can understand it, then okay, that's fine. He doesn't actually mean this is a a knockdown he's just stating how he feels which as long as you know that but if he's talking to a 
junior member of staff with limited experience, that could be quite demotivating. So I just wanted to you know, go around that word buffer because it's also managing communication, but also managing that translation of actually the, the emotional translation, not necessarily the words, but the emotional translations. He thinks you are doing a good job, but he just needs you to answer this question and vice versa. When a junior person comes or a member of my team comes to me and say, look, I want you to present to the CEO, but you have to go do this, this, and this, because these are his top topics. That's good man management, but also that comes into air cover, buffer, whatever you like to describe it. Jonathan, could I, come, could I come in in there? That's a yeah. really that's a really interesting uh, thought. The the buffer, the air cover, the close ground support, whatever you want to call it. I think this is one of the things that some companies really really suffer from, and it's one of the things that is being eroded. Hopefully, because I've also been in many companies where you get people at the top of the company that do say what they think. Um, which just means they say what they think. And it's very destructive and it's, it causes a lot of anguish for a lot of people. And I don't think the buffer actually works anymore because of social media. I mean, you just have to look at someone like Donald Trump uh, tweeting. Um, yeah, well, the, the message gets out. And I think this is one of the things that has changed. I you know, remember back in the day, uh, you could get away with a CEO or an MD that was a real you know, animal um, and really no graces about him or her at all. Um, but now I think that's changing. I think it's one of the things that has highlighted this debate, um, that, that, that that sort of behaviour can't, can't flourish anymore. And that's why I think the middle has got a bigger role to play, even if it should be a middle. I've got a feeling, Tony, that you think that the middle shouldn't be there. It should just be uh, more um, a social organisation anyway. Yeah, I mean, it, it does feel like um, the, the, this, the, the definition of the middle is shifting. And, you know, we've had obviously example of, of um, Jonathan and Namecheap, a flat structure. Same with Monzo. We had Matt James from Monzo talking about a very flat structure. And it's, it's again, easy to generalise, but it does seem as if that this the middle, uh, what has traditionally been this enormous layer in the middle between the customer facing and the, and the C-suite, is starting to shrink and as organizations seek to become more agile this horrendously overused word of agile um, <laughs> yeah. you know they, they try and uh, make it more um, make the middle more flexible or they put them into cross-functional teams or however just to try and bend things around a bit um, but it does feel as if something is changing uh, whether it's to do with the focus on agile or other things and this old-fashioned view of strategy as a top-down uh, I'm going to deliver the strategy the middle is there to socialize the strategy and then the, the front line is there to execute the strategy that does seem to be shifting and, and jonathan your example of iterating towards a strategy i think it feels that that is i'm gonna say the future because you're doing it now but it, it, it feels like that's a more positive and more proactive way to harness the collective knowledge uh, and intelligence of the middle um, from my perspective i don't know what, what, what are your thoughts on that um i think you 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 I think you're right. I think there's, there's also the same frustrations that every other organization, whether they're flat or or, or wide, <laughs> flat, wide or deep, I think, um, because I can we can produce strategy and we will produce a strategy that will be, and this year I'm pushing the envelope to try and get, to try and challenge what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. 
That's going to be interesting because also there's also an understanding of resource prioritization budget, as in how much money the company's willing to spend on infrastructure. And in my in my area, um, CRM infrastructure is uh, vitally important. Um, not everything, but it is vitally important to make a small, uh, medium-sized company be very, very efficient in its communications, inbound and outbound communications. Therefore, there has to be a level of understanding that we need as a company to invest in this side of things, whether it's internal resource or, or cash. That's an interesting challenge because you have to then sell the benefits upwards. And that's a challenge in every organization. Well, as I said, whatever size is, how do I sell those benefits up to make sure that I get a shout for that cash? And I think that's an interesting way round because the, the purse strings are still held at the top and, and you could argue is rightly so because they own the whole business or they should own the business and they should see the numbers on a daily basis. So that's the challenge from from my side in a flat organization or any organization which has a strategy developed in the middle and pushed up is understanding and in a way don't become demotivating because you could have created the best strategy in the, in the world but if they if the senior c-suite says actually department a is going to get 50 percent of the budget you're going to get 10 percent, and the rest get the other 40 then your grand plan suddenly starts to uh, look very very weak yeah, no, that's a very good point. I, I just wanted to pick up on that point that you've mentioned about the infrastructure side of things, and, and um, so people and machines. At, at this view of the middle is not just people, and you've mentioned you know the, the role of CRM infrastructure in, in a business fit such as your, uh, such as Namecheap. Carl, I just wondered what your thoughts are around the middle as, as people and machines as well, and to what extent this you know this growing debate around automation is going to change or is changing. Um, what the middle looks like and can do. Yeah, so that's a, that's a, a very good question. If we've got another half an hour, um, uh, it, it's interesting when when we when we discuss this. I uh, what springs to mind is data and knowledge. You can describe uh, the middle as uh, the knowledge workers, if you like, and they're moving around data. They're interpreting strategy. Etc. Etc. And that should be the part of, the, of a business that shrinks most, as we get good data, good data analysis, uh, much more insight from the from the knowledge we hold. That should be the piece that shrinks. We don't see much evidence of it at the moment, but it should transform that that layer of a business to make it transparent. You know, again. Just looking at some some documents and some articles on uh, social media sites, still talking about the leadership not having a view of the company, not really understanding what's going on. That just shouldn't happen anymore. They should be the data available for people to look at it, examine it. Then they can make um, uh, more informed judgments about what's going on across the organization when it comes to looking at uh, budgets, when it comes to looking at resources, what we can do for customers, where the company is going, uh, what it needs to do short term, what it needs to do long term. That should be that should be seen in a, in a different way now. You may you may have seen differently, uh, Jonathan, but for most companies, that's still not the case. They're still working with the knowledge that they have and the and the very 
cumbersome infrastructure of communication of, of what's happening. I think that's probably, that might be the thing that underpins it all, that underpins the, 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 the growth of this middle piece finding its true potential, even though it's much smaller, it finds its potential. I can, I can see actually that it, doesn't, it shouldn't exist in as much as that greasing the cogs of running an organization just shouldn't, shouldn't have to happen with such a manual process. If you look at HR and things like that now, it's becoming a much more automated process and uh, are freeing up people to actually go and deal with the people issues. I think that's what's happening, um, but it's, it's probably not happening quick enough. Um, and it adds to, again, to this feeling that lots of companies are doing lots of good things now about well-being, mental health, and those things, and so they should be. It's been a long time coming. And I think, I think this is the contributing factors to that middle management piece where a lot of this pressure is being felt and where a lot of the decision-making, um, a lot of the reasoning um, starts to be downgraded because of that pressure. Jonathan, what are your thoughts on that around how um, the, the growing use of automation is, is changing the middle? I mean, what does that look like from your context and what are your views on, on where it's going? Uh, I think the word automation is an interesting one because I think a lot of companies talk about automation and are nowhere near it. Um, absolutely I, I don't we're you know as a as a e-commerce company and, and technical technology e-commerce company we're automated in certain parts there's two sides of it firstly we use data to understand the numbers of where we are today which is good because two years ago maybe 18 months ago we weren't doing that so that is good. So the understanding of the numbers, which trends we're going, we look on a daily basis. Probably we overkill it, but we still know what's going on. And so senior management do that. And the great thing about our company is also they communicate those numbers on a monthly basis to all leaders and a quarterly basis to all staff. How much money we're making why we're making these monies, you know, all the justifications, which I think is really, really clear. And again, it starts to shrink the perceived view that those guys up there not telling us anything. So I think that's that's nice. That's a really nice thing to do. The word automation about how do we actually make us make the approach much more efficient through either use of data to apply, analyze, and predict not very good. Um, so we are very hard on the, the metrics, but not good at who our customer is and using that data. That is a challenge we face. It's also uh, a challenge on my view is understanding how, how to use the data. And so it's like, okay, predictive models, all of those lovely things that CRM people get very excited by, um, we don't have them as yet that's an interesting one i'll just use another example in a previous company i worked with their understanding of metrics was very very poor and therefore people were working in isolation and not understanding the full picture and that is really important and i think from not necessarily and this is important for the the middleware or middle management to make sure Every part of the company understands the rationale of why we're doing it. It suddenly opens the door. I did this at O2 when I had a call center. And suddenly I started to do a quarterly presentation of where the broadband market was and why we're doing something. And 
only for 45 minutes, if that, with questions afterwards. And it suddenly, not only you suddenly have a figurehead in that area somebody can ask a question to, but it gives them a reason why you're not offering product A, but you're offering product B. The reason why competitor A is outperforming competitor B. And it also allows them to a level of autonomy because you suddenly give them the the knowledge and and some of these some people on the call center might not care but you've given them the ability to understand i think that is key specifically in a big organization when people forget that there are decisions made at the top which affect every every element of a business whether it's take data or you know, AI, machine learning, but also somebody's going to be affected by it. And the question always comes back is why? Why am I doing this? What does it mean? Why am I making this decision? Why am I talking to this customer about this product when I don't actually know the benefit of it? These are all really, really important in my view. And it's just that massive open communication. And this is where the middleware, middle management has a vital part of the cog is to remind senior management that some people don't know who's going to talk to them who's going to communicate to them how do i become how do we un- keep people on board on board engaged with the direction we're going in because as soon as you lose the, the team the employees the staff whatever the description is going to be then you are you're on a slow decline yeah, I, I uh, agree with all of that, Jonathan. It's interesting, just doing some uh, work at the moment, and the, the lack of governance around knowledge, even around what decisions are made, is quite remarkable. So you end up with um, several different versions of the truth. There can be a senior management team. Uh, there can be a, a, really, a really strong team put together to give, the, to give guidance over a part of the operation. And the outputs of that meeting are not recorded. So then you get three or four different versions of the truth. And it, that becomes very, very difficult. And it, it, it allows for people to make mischief if they want to or to follow their own agenda. And it's exactly the same as when we first started getting into talking about customer. We wanted to understand the truth. We wanted to give the customers autonomy. Um, we wanted to give people the choice. We wanted to give them knowledge. We wanted to give them information. And we want to make it very easy for people to, to work with us. And I think it's going to go exactly the same way with employees, where we need to uh, make it easy for employees to work with us. We need to uh, get employees to a place where they can go and find the knowledge, find the information, so that it, it, it democratizes it. it you know, leadership becomes something different then. But again, it, it empowers this middle bit, truth and transparency and all those things. I've just got to come. Thank you both. I just wanted to move us really to, towards uh, final questions because we're, we're nearly at the end, end of our uh, end of our time. So I just wanted, based on what we've discussed, what would what would you say are your thoughts as to where the middle is going over the next twelve months? If you're somebody listening to this and you're thinking, okay, I've got this whole middle section of my organisation, I'm not really sure what's going on in there. What advice would you be giving to uh, to somebody to say how to get more out of the middle uh, in, over the next twelve months? What are some key key points of guidance? I, I write the word embrace them. So if I was a senior management and I had you know, middle management there, embrace them, work with them, standard stuff, listen and embrace and give them give them the autonomy to make decisions. 
you don't have to sign everything off. You don't have to sign every subject line of an email off. If it fails, they, they'll understand. They'll learn. Trust them. That's the key. Is, is, there's probably three words. is listen, embrace, and trust. Go with that. And then actually you'll also understand how, as a senior person, you'll also, also understand how to, to manage and get the most out of them if you start with those three things. Yeah, I would say to a company that's looking to get more profitable, looking to get more efficient, looking to look after their customers really well, um, improve the customer experience, then the place you need to go and look is the uh, middle management team. Uh, this is not popular. It's the same when you look at the NHS. People say we need more nurses, we need more frontline. When you talk about airlines, you know, the pilots and things. Um, you need to go and look at this middle bit. It, a, revolution, a revolution in the middle could make all the difference to your business because these people, as Jonathan just said, they've worked their way into these positions because they're capable people. They have sound judgment. They have knowledge. They have a good instincts. They have a good understanding of what's happening. They have a good understanding of business. They have a good understanding of your customers. That's where that's the bit that's missing from organisations. That's the bit that, just like Jonathan, I would I would go and grab that bit and say, how do I make this work better? How do I listen to it? How do I trust it? I think it's it's the unfashionable piece of business, but I think it holds all the keys um, as as organisations move forward. Carl, Jonathan, thank you both very much for your time and for sharing your insights with Experience Cast today. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Experience Cast from the QOE. I would like to thank my guests, Jonathan Can and Carl Lyon, for their insights into the topic of leading from the middle, and also to thank you for listening. If you'd like to find out more about what we do at the QOE, just visit theqoe.com where you can find more details about our short courses, group discussions, and other ways that we can support you in your work.